right, ATP Podcast Episode 8. Today I have special guest Sue Davis with me. And Sue, um, you are explaining to me your title of this position or what do you describe? It's Healing Touch is the practice, right? It is Healing Touch practice. Right now I am an apprentice. So okay. I'm working through the levels of Healing Touch to eventually become certified, a certified Healing Touch practitioner. Okay. Yeah. And what's that uh, process like so you're an apprentice now is how is it hours based is it what is that right now it's just doing the work so it's just experience based mm -hmm. there's five levels um, one through three is just learning the particular techniques and interventions that we do and then levels four and five are actually where we're engaged with case studies certain number of clients that we have to have okay we're being monitored by a mentor yeah. and working towards certification. So it's just a growing of that practical part of it as well as just doing the work. So All right. Yeah. And so let's go ahead and let's just talk about what, what is Healing Touch because I said that I'm sure anyone listening, most of them probably like, I, you lost me already. Yeah. Um, but kind of give me, it, it doesn't have to be as short or long, whatever you feel is, applies to it, but your, okay. your explanation of what it is. Well, healing touch is just one um, of, of many different ways of energy healing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really just balancing, clearing, and energizing people's energy fields. And so we have this energy body that extends from our physical body, and it's making sure that that's clear and working and flowing. And most people aren't aware of that body, so they aren't able to detect those things. So healing touch just kind of creates the environment where we can do that. Okay. And what... Uh, what not what is this based off of, but yeah, where does this come from? Where does this practice originate? Well, Healing Touch, um, it, it was actually um, certified and, and uh, made an official thing back in the 60s. Okay. So energy medicine is as old as the earth is. Yeah. Um, different countries and um, different cultures call it different things. Um, but Healing Touch here um, in the United States was started in the 1960s. And um, it was a holistic nurse practitioner that went to different countries, went to different faculties, and put all those pieces together in kind of a quantified technique so that it would be mm -hmm. accepted by mainstream medicine. Yeah. Um, but it's been around forever. It's just been, you know, coined healing touch since the 60s. Okay. Yeah. And you said it's, so it's an energy healing. We have energy bodies, which... Um, I know that some people can sound a little woo-woo, but from the science standpoint, I mean, everything is energy. Matter is energy right. in motion. So right. um, where does that come into play necessarily? Can you elaborate a little more on, like, what is it that we carry or do we do we even know about that? Right. Like, well, it... Believe it or not, it, 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 like you said, it, it, a lot of times off the cuff, it sounds kind of out there. Yeah. Um, but it is based in quantum physics. Okay, and that's, it, I remember you told me that's science. the first time. Um, yeah. It is the spiral of life. Everything moves in the spiral of life. Everything is energy. So mm -hmm. if there's something that blocks that energy or congests that energy and that spiral isn't able to move, then there is a dis-ease of that energy moving. And that's where the yeah. word disease comes from. It's the blocking of energy. Oh, wow. So I when that's not that. flowing freely, our physical body gets that symptom. Now, we can tolerate a lot. Our physical bodies are designed to take those hits. Mm -hmm. But if there's constant hits and that energy continues to be blocked, 
then that's when our physical body breaks down in different ways. And it can also be mental or spiritual. Um, all those things can manifest symptoms yeah. um, of, our, of our energy. So we address any of those depending on, on what the patient or the client wants from that. Okay. Yeah, I know that they've proven like just like stress and they, I mean, they, they talk about it in this form of the cortisol hormone and everything, but they show that just having that kind of imbalance can cause physical issues as well as mental. Yeah. And I'm sure that that plays into what you deal with a lot of. Yeah. So what, what is the actual practice itself? How are you helping someone? So t today we worked on me and one time before this second time doing this and I'm already loving it a lot. Um, but about kind of bringing in my energy field because and explain to me again why. So what is the problem with having a big, big energy field, first of all? Well, when your field is out farther away from your body than normal, it, it mm -hmm. ranges what's normal for each person. But the farther your energy field gets out, the more things can get into your field. And so you want your field, those layers of your field, to be pretty close to you. Okay. When it gets out, you can be in other people's fields, and other people's vibration may not match with yours. And so when you get into someone else's field, it can adjust and vary your energy field depending on what energy they have. Yeah. Um, everybody's had the experience when they get on an elevator and they're uncomfortable with someone that they've never met. They have mm -hmm. no idea why they're uncomfortable and why they want to get off that elevator as quickly as possible. Looks yeah. like a benign person. Um, but their energy field doesn't match. Their vibration doesn't match to you. And so that's why you feel that little shift or difference. So where the term people say like, I I didn't like the vibe someone gave me. That's that, 100%. The, vi the vibration that they're... Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And there's not good energy or bad energy. Energy is energy. But your energy and your vibration may be completely different from someone else's. Mm. And so that makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's really about being around people that are at your vibration. The higher your vibration is, you know, the higher you're going to need to be around people that have that same vibration. They kind of sync up in a yeah, way. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Is there ways to let's if I was uncomfortable with someone is there ways to match that vibration or get closer is that a is that a thing that's able to change um really not okay. um it, you can change it but you really want to concentrate on your energy okay. and getting your vibration as high as possible mm -hmm. somebody else's energy as much as you want to help them adjust that that's their journey and where mm -hmm. they are it's not really our responsibility um as a person to adjust okay. somebody else's yeah. your responsibility is being in your energy field feeling good in your energy field and surrounding yourself with people that match that okay yeah so to that point then how does one become in your position where you are the person trying to help someone else with theirs and I mean I'm I'm assuming it is more about helping them manage theirs than right. you manipulating <clears throat> right. it. Right. Yeah. I don't impart anything on people when we're working. What I do with my energy is create the environment mm -hmm. for your vibration to rise on its own. So okay. by you know getting your energy balanced and getting your energy cleared and feeling energized, then your body can heal itself. You automatically, your vibration will rise. The clearer and more healing that you do, the, the higher your vibration goes. Okay. So. Awesome. So specifically going back to the energy field, that, that seems kind of like the, the base root of the assessment and then the, the healing in a sense too. That's kind of the first step. Mm -hmm. What what are the things that you're doing or going through to help someone close their energy field? 
What I do is it, some of it is light touch, but mm -hmm. a lot of it is near touch over the body. So what I do is find where the edge of that field is, wherever it happens to be, and we just physically move it in. I'm waving my arms. I'm moving that energy field back in towards you. It's mm -hmm. just a movement of energy um, with my hands. Um, the chakras, which are the energy centers of the body, are yeah. really important in that evaluation too because those are the seven centers of the energy that's in the body. So mm -hmm. we're looking at those and looking at where their field is. They kind of are important hand in hand. Okay. And will you elaborate a little more? What are the seven chakras and what do they kind of each, what is each of their value to us? Sure. Yeah. So there's seven that start um, kind of above your knees and they go all the way to the top of your head. So the first one is the root chakra and that's mm -hmm. the one that grounds you. So that is family and tribe. Um, chakras can also represent physical parts of our body. Mm -hmm. So there's two pieces to the chakra. So we look at both of those pieces. Um, the root chakra would be obviously... <clears throat> excuse me, in the area of reproduction, moving forward, and um, that sort of thing. Physically, um, it, again, it's just that reproductive piece. So the sacral chakra, which is up just a little bit higher, it's just below the belly button, but above the root chakra, um, that can be lower digestion when we're talking about the physical piece. Um, but the emotional piece is just the emotions that we have. That mm -hmm. that chakra kind of controls that. That's where we have our thinking of emotion. Um, the chakra that's above that is called the solar plexus, and that is thoughts and how we see ourselves, uh, self-esteem and worthiness. That all is responsible in that chakra. Okay. So we get north of that, and then we have the heart chakra, and that's one of the most important chakras because that's love and forgiveness. That's our soul. That's where we, we our center is, our heart center. Um, physically, again, that can be the lungs. It can be the heart. It's anything in that across the chest region. Mm -hmm. um, the chakra that's above that is the throat chakra. That's actually in your throat. Um, physically, that can be the throat. It can be your glands. It can be the mouth. It can be the ears and the TMJ area. Um, but that's speaking our truth from mm. an energetic standpoint. It's being able to communicate and having creativity. Um, the chakra that's above that is called the brow or the third eye chakra. And that's our intuitive piece. So that's where we see ourselves going. That's where we see our purpose. Um, that's the brain, obviously. It can be the eyes and the sinuses mm -hmm. is the physical part. And then that very top chakra is our crown chakra. And that is our connection to whatever our greater power is, whatever that is to the universe. And that can be different for different people. Yeah. That can have a spiritual you know, meaning to it for some people, but not necessarily um, again, that's just kind of our connection to everything else that's out there. Okay. Um, is there any reason that it starts above the knee? That's interesting to me that there's it's just, no foot chakra. Right, here. right. And there are minor chakras that okay. are in the joints and things, but okay. those are the seven there's basics. Seven yeah, that's what grounds us. We also have other centers in the body that go back um, in history quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's based on those. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so what... what was the basis for those the seven chakras like where did that kind of originate from do they do they talk about that in your training they don't really talk about that in the training in particular mm -hmm. um it's kind of a culmination of lots of different cultures okay and i think it's all kind of centered in just these seven centers yeah um, i know um that in the indian culture the, that is the basis for lots of healing well, that they, they do, do the there. pineal gland third yes. eye yeah yeah they, so it's really important there but i'm, I'm not um, as far as origination, I'm not really sure okay. how those actually yeah. developed. 
And what are some of the other um, parallel practices from other cultures? You said healing touch is kind of the U.S.-based right. type thing. What, right. are, what are some other ones that... They have all kind. They have sound healing. Okay. They have um, different types of meditative healing. Um, some of the different cultures will do different rituals with sage and burning incense and that sort of thing. Okay, so that's... Reflexology has kind of gotten popular here in the United States, but that's been around for a long time in a lot of other places. So those are all other energy healing forms yeah, that yeah. you would consider. Okay. Reiki is also, people are kind of familiar with the term Reiki. Yeah. That's very similar to healing touch. It's a little more based in intuitive nature mm-hmm. so that we don't, they don't necessarily have regimented techniques or interventions that they do. Okay. Um, when healing touch was designed, they wanted to kind of have a format yeah. that was available so that it was more appealing to um, Western medicine, so yeah. it, it gave it kind of some oomph and and based in science, so docs would take it a little bit more seriously. And how is that handled like today? How much how much pushback is there? Because again, you know, right. it's different than a lot of what right. we're generally exposed to. At least what I was exposed to growing up. Right. Um, there used to be quite a bit of pushback, mm-hmm. um, and I have to be quite honest. I was one of those pusher backers. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a science girl, so um, by nature, I want an explanation scientifically of what's right. going on. Um, not that I don't believe things don't happen um, intuitively, um, but there's studies, and and we can see that happening. Um, there's much less pushback now mm-hmm. than there ever used to be because there are some really great studies that are out there that actually prove that respiration lowers. We're able to measure those things that happen after yeah. healing touch a lot better than we were ever able to test before. Yeah. So there are great studies that are out there that help support us. We're super blessed here in Cincinnati because there, all the hospitals here will offer healing touch. Really? Yeah, Bethesda North actually in particular has someone on staff that's a healing touch practitioner. Okay. So I think because patients are finding that Western medicine doesn't always give every answer that we want, that people are looking towards total health. Mm -hmm. And if it has to do with our total health and energy, I think people are open to kind of experimenting and exploring other options for healing besides just taking a pill or getting a medication or, or having a surgery to fix something. Yeah. No, it's funny. Uh, actually, I think the, the following week after my first time, I ran into someone that I kind of knew, hadn't really talked too much before. And um, I had found out, I, like I said, I didn't know much about him before, that he had gone through, he had Crohn's disease. And, and it was weird because, again, I don't even remember how it got brought up, but then I, I was talking about alternative medicine, and I was talking about hitting touch, and he said when he was young that they had offered him that, and he had actually felt like it helped him manage that. Um, so weird in two ways. One, that that, that even came up yeah. directly after first being exposed, and two, that, that it came up in a sense that it was someone who had really responded well to that type of practice. Yeah. So that's really yeah. cool to see that that they do offer that as yeah. part of the, like you said, the holistic version of it versus, right. I mean, I do think with the rise of, we're seeing a little more now about the faults of Western medicine, not that it's, it has, it's done wonders, it's done awesome things, but we, I feel like we went too far, the pendulum swung too mm-hmm. far in that direction, and now that we're backing off, it's kind of allowing other things like yeah. this to be part of, you know, in my field, it's more about the just, taking care of your health physically but you know now we've got to worry about emotionally spiritually energy wise whatever you want to classify that into um yeah i know that's that's really cool to see and um 
are there it's probably pretty tough to really do measurable studies on what's actually happening in this, right? Yeah, it is. And I'm not <clears throat> super knowledgeable on the specifics of that research, mm -hmm. but there is research out there that's able to measure the client or the patient's response. Okay. So there are some studies that are out there that are measuring that. Yeah. Um, you know, we look at, um, in particular, people that have, you know, uh, chemotherapy, any mm -hmm. kind of medication-based treatments, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're messing with hormones, we're messing with those levels. We can see those change through studies. So, yeah, yeah. so there are ways that they're able to measure it now where they never used okay. to. Okay. I always to. wondered, I wondered mm -hmm. if like, yeah, if there was a way to measure the, the current that you're carrying, because I know we carry right. electricity <clears throat> and stuff like that, but yeah. I didn't know if that played into it. Yeah. But you you said you don't know too much about that kind of area? I don't. I know that there are studies that exist. Okay. I do know that. Um, yeah. And there's actually, um, I had taken my level two and three class in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. And so one of the ladies that I worked with there was actually a peer of Jane Menke. So it was an incredible experience to be around her. But yeah. she had talked about a scientist who was coming up with some tests that was actually measuring the energy from healing touch practitioner to healing touch practitioner. Okay. Now I don't have any details on that study, I'm afraid to say, yeah. but they were starting to measure different practitioners' ability to raise or lower their vibration depending on what they were doing. Well, so, that's really cool. So I think they're going to really be able to have some good, solid studies to back yeah. a lot of this up as it goes on. Yeah. Well, and I always remind people that, I mean, don't disregard any anecdotal stuff because all things that were studied were studied because of the anecdotal evidence right. anyway, so that's where it starts. <laughs> right. And I do think sometimes studying takes a too close a look into things and because in order to control a study, you have to control all the variables but one so you can tell what was different. Right. And I think when you take that approach, you really block out the big picture of how everything works together. Right. But you, were, you mentioned that there's some done that's more like a conditional study where they just were talking about they had this condition beforehand, we did these things, and then this is how the body Correct. responded. Yeah. yeah, so there's been more of that done, yeah. not so much as measuring the energy, Correct. but as far as measuring the effect. The response. The response, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's really cool that they're doing that. And I, I mean, like I said, I think that is more of a reflection maybe. I did see... Um, this makes me think of, have you seen the Netflix documentary, Heal? Yes. Yeah, so uh, one of my friends, actually you know her, uh, she yeah. recommended it to me. Yeah. And uh, I really liked the way they did that because, again, going into it, I'm skeptical most documentaries are really agenda. But this wasn't like saying, like, this is the only way, this is what we're doing. They talked about coinciding with other techniques. They, they were willing to admit what they don't know. They were right. like, we're not... Give, giving you this guarantee or this explanation, the same thing. They did the conditional. This person had this thing going on. Right. We did these things with them, and now they're in remission from their condition. Like that's that's what we know. Right. Yeah. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on like more of that type of study, more of that type of work? I think it's incredible, and I also saw that documentary, and I just think the piece that I took away from that is that it's just a really, it's a finding of what works for you and that mm -hmm. openness to look at things that can help you heal yourself. You yeah. know, our body is innately able to do that, and I think that combination of therapies for everybody is different. Yeah. 
You know, so finding those therapies and having those therapies available to choose from, I think is going to be huge. I think it's going to be huge for people to make those decisions because what works works for one person is obviously not going to work for somebody else. Um, But to have different types of therapies, and it it is actually a a complementary type of situation between Western medicine and these alternative medicines. We don't replace. We're not wanting to replace anything that's going on. We want to work in tandem, side by side, giving people options to find that piece of the puzzle that helps them connect, that helps them heal themselves, because we're able to do that if we get those pieces in place. Oh, and I think that that's the best way that for for health, longevity, whatever you want to call it, it is internally first. I think you yeah. kind of, if you don't have that down, none of the external help's going to matter. Not that the external help doesn't help, right? but there is something to do. And it's amazing that the what the body will do to itself. I recently interviewed a girl on this podcast who was a trainer, but she had a water skiing accident where she basically tore every ligament in her knee. And she was talking about how initially they wanted to do surgery on her, but they couldn't get her in for six weeks. And when they did the follow-up, her knee had scarred down enough that they were like, oh, never mind. And it was like, that was yeah. just on her, like no right. other treatment. And right. she was a very like, I'm going to get through this type of person too. So yeah. like, I'm always big into the placebo and nocebo effects. Right. Now, do you do you deal with that at all here? Does do you find that you can tell if someone isn't looking to get something out of it versus they're really trying to get something out of it and the effect that this has on them? Yeah, and that all goes to kind of the self-healing piece. I think when, you know, energy works and we can move energy, even Mm -hmm. in someone that would get on the table and have absolutely zero expectation of what was going on, we're still moving energy. Yeah. Um, The piece that's important is that thought process. You know, my my favorite quote of all time is thought precedes form, and Mm. that's Albert Einstein. So we're talking to really a great (laughs) scientist that saw that early on. So how we think... Um, can change how our body is. And that's a big leap, and it's hard for people to understand that, but it's absolutely the truth. We focus on what we want to change with our body in a positive way, and we can make physical changes happen. So that's kind of the basis of healing. So I agree 100%. Yes, absolutely. We can change those things. So someone is on the table without an expectation or, Mm -hmm. or doesn't necessarily want to heal, that's going to slow their journey down, most mm. definitely. Uh, if they're on the table and they're doing the homework and they're trying to find ways to center themselves and balance themselves, those changes are those shifts are going to happen for yeah. them. So yeah. Now, is there a lot of common things you see with people today as far as their energy and what's going on, or is it not? That, that, well, um, I don't have a trim. I've been doing this, I guess, for about four years. Now. Okay. So I've I've had some experience, but. Um, the common things that I think um, that I see with people coming in is that they have a hard time um, with self-care. Mm. So they have a hard time doing whatever it is that helps them stay centered. Um, I've seen lots of people with lots of physical ailments. Um, sometimes their physical ailments drive them here, even yeah. if they don't necessarily believe in healing touch, but they've exhausted every other modality. Yeah. So they end up here. Um, 
actually those are the people and the clients that I find the most rewarding because when we do healing touch and they start to get relief, even if it's for short periods of time, um, that's what it's all about. It's about doing the work and it's about helping people heal. So, um, yeah, we can, we can do a lot of things for people. Um, but it's, it, there's, there's just so many different situations with different yeah. people. I don't know that I could pick one or two I really understand. common Absolutely. things. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that, um, cause you were talking about how they've really made it more standardized now to mm -hmm. be accepted and mm -hmm. I get the reasons why for that. Do you find that a struggle to balance that because of how different everyone is? Now, how much, how much of the standards does this practice rely on versus how much of the intuition? Yeah, and it, that's a really good question. Um, I find the longer that I do this, the more I trust the intuitive piece of what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. it's easier for me to make connections based on what I see um, in people's fields. Okay. So yes, we have those basic things we're looking for. Are the chakras open? Are they connected? Is the field in? Those things tell us basic things. What's going on with your energy field? When we start yeah. to work with someone more than just a few times, I can start to see patterns mm -hmm. of things open or closed um, or congested areas in their energy field that kind of helps me put the pieces of the puzzle together over time. And so yeah. that can kind of happen over a period of time. Um, and, and really, that's just a function of doing the work on the table. Okay. Um, everybody is different as far as the speed at which they heal, mm -hmm. too, depending on what's going on in their world. But the longer I do this, the more and stronger I feel with my intuition as to what's going on, okay. what I think would work for the patient, the yeah. client. Yeah. What, um, what is it like? What goes through your head during a session? Like, so for me, on the table... I, it's to me the experience is very similar to a massage. I'm kind of just giving away the control a little bit. I'm trying to be like, all right, this is your your time, your world. Do what you need to do, and that's you know what, when people come to me, that's what they do to me as a trainer. Yeah. Like, okay, I don't want. I'm giving up the responsibility a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what is it like? What's going through your head? What are what are things you're doing and feeling as you're dealing with this energy field? Right. So when I start working with a client, um, the first thing that I do is connect into their energy field. So, you know, obviously I'm asking to be in their space um, and I shift the focus from myself to the client. Mm -hmm. So once I get into their energy field, it is about evaluating them. Um, feeling their energy. So I kind of separate myself is, is kind of crazy as that okay. sounds. I separate myself from that. So I really don't have thoughts as far as, um, you know, what am I going to be doing next with this? And okay, I need to do this next. In the beginning, of course, that's when you're a newbie, you're yeah. thinking about technique. Right. Um, but the longer that I do it, the more I find that I can focus on feeling. Okay. So it's really just about feeling what's in their field. Is there something that feels hot or cold? So I kind of disconnect from myself. I don't have a plan um, other than just making sure everything's open and clear. That's the only plan that I do on every single client. Um, after that, it's just based on what I feel in their field. And sometimes we, based on what they want out of Healing Touch, we'll kind of have a game plan when we start, mm -hmm. when we do the intake interview. Um, but a lot of times we take a big detour once we get up on this table. Sometimes what I find in their field it just takes priority over what they want out of the session. And we have that conversation in the yeah. healing space when that happens. I will tell a client, sometimes when you get on the table, 
things shift or change and we need to do something that maybe we hadn't planned on doing yeah. first because your body's telling me that's what I it, it needs to be done. That makes sense. Can you, as best you can, describe the sensation or the, like you're saying, you're feeling it's something hot or cold, you're feeling this energy. Mm -hmm. How much of that is really physical versus for lack of a better term, existential or, you know, like... Right. Um, most of it is a physical sensation that I okay. get. There are times when it's just an overwhelming feeling that I get that has nothing to do with an actual physical sensation. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that happens when someone's on okay. the table. Why do you think that... Um, you know, I think it's something that rises on that person's energy field and it connects with me in a way that I know that it's priority, that it's okay. important, yeah. that energy shifts or that vibration shifts enough that it brings that peace in where I get that feeling. Yeah. Um, but most often it's just a kinesthetic feeling that I have. Every practitioner, every person that does energy healing feels it differently. Um, there are some energy healers that feel nothing at all physically. They don't feel a sensation. They don't feel hot and cold. They mm. just do the work. Yeah. Um, I, I'm blessed that I feel it kinesthetically, and I think it might be that way for me because I am a science girl. Yeah. And in the beginning, it was very obvious to me that I could feel those shifts and changes in the field. Um, so it feels like my hands are going to sleep. If I get into a person's field, there should be a little buzz that we feel. I should feel a little vibration, mm -hmm. but in an energy, an area where there's energy stuck or congested to me, it feels like my hands are falling to sleep. It's prickly. Okay. That's my sensation. Yeah. Um, for some people it's, it's strictly temperature shifts. They can feel that. Um, there are patients, um, that, that are clients or practitioners that can see the aura of the field. They can see the color. Oh, wow. Um, or they can hear different things changing as they're working. Yeah. I don't have any of those abilities. Yeah, Mine maybe. is really just based on, yeah. And I'm hoping at some point at the more that I practice this, um, that that intuitive piece will open up even more and yeah. then I'll be open to experiencing those other things. Um, but I'm just really blessed that I can feel those things because it makes it a little easier for me to help clear those spots. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I told you that after the first session, I felt a lot of vibration. And then after this session, to me, I felt more of, again, I describe it only as a current. Yeah. And like I said, it was like, especially at the feet, like I was like really sure, like that's what that feels. It feels like a light electrical current. What do you think that kind of is? Is that, is that my own energy receding what's going on there i think like, it's just your energy being able to move freely okay yeah so the more healing work that you do the more you get on the table the more work you do the clearer your field becomes over time mm -hmm. um, we all carry things with us for a long period of time and so the first few sessions with any healing touch you know you've got some work to do we have uh, the best way to describe it is like having a backpack on. We've yeah. got lots of stones in that backpack. So every time that you come and we clear the field, it's like taking some of those stones out of your backpack. Your field's lighter. It's clearer so things can move through it more easily. So when we clear your field, you can feel that sensation of energy moving a lot better than you would. It's like moving your fingers through water or moving yeah. your fingers through honey. There's a difference on how you can feel that. Okay. Yeah. So the more we clear it, the more you are aware of the energy moving through you. Yeah. And ultimately the goal is to help people teach or teach people to help them keep it clear and or clear it themselves and Absolutely. Yeah. Become yep. aware. I do feel like this is this applies to this as well as many other things, but we definitely have a um 
veil over us with the way that this, how crazy and so much going on in life and things that we think are really important that stress us out tend to block out the other things that we don't because they don't physically or directly apply to everything right. we're doing. Um, do, do you feel like uh, because of our environment, because of things, especially today in such a modern world with everything going on, that right. that is the case, that we are really out of tune with that? And maybe yeah. that's why yeah. people are very skeptical because they're like, oh, I don't even right. understand what you're talking about. Right, yeah. It is. There's so many things that come at us. And, you know, we have history with, you know, how we're raised and what we see around us all the time that kind of um, muddy up us being able to be still. To be still today is crazy. No one. They feel guilty for being still. They feel guilty for not doing anything. But the truth is, is that when we're still and when we're quiet, we're so much more aware of not just our physical body, but getting that awareness of our energy body and, yeah. and how we feel. We have so numbed ourselves up, um, not even just with our typical things that we think about numbing, you know, medications or right. alcohol or drugs, no, but, just um, but social media. Jobs. Uh, everything to keep us busy. Let's yeah. keep, you know, we're got, got to go out with my friends tonight. We're, our schedules are beyond full. Um, and we've gotten away from feeling comfortable with just being still and taking that time. And that's when we can be aware of all these things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. And I think, but it's shifting. I, th- I think people are starting to see that this lifestyle is not serving them. No. And that we're finding ways to disconnect. Um, on purpose and it's okay. It's okay to be quiet. It's okay to sit still. It's okay not to go out um, We shouldn't feel guilty about those things, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's interesting because you tend to that's one of the things people always talk about like You know thinking when you're the happiest when I was a kid and it's because you don't have all of that extra stuff that you, right. I feel like kids do they talk about this and I don't, I don't know how much this will be out of the way but they, they talk about with kids and like the more intuition as far as like the spiritual plane of things like kids see ghosts a lot more than adults and stuff and the same kind of concept is they haven't been numbed to that because of all the other stuff going on where maybe we would experience same things or going back to the original point where I do feel like it's easier for a kid to find that stillness or peace and especially you know the teenagers that are trying to figure stuff out we call them lazy because they're not doing anything really maybe they're they're just trying to process and digest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And all the extra sleep, all that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. They're doing self-care. Right. We just don't call it that. Exactly. We call it being lazy. We give it a stigma. Yeah. 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 And we don't, you know, I think uh, kids, it's interesting because I've seen some children. I've seen kids as young as eight and as old as teenagers. And um, the response from kids to healing touch is just such an incredible thing. Yeah. They're immediately open to it. They're immediately um, comfortable speaking about all the sensations that they're feeling. Um, they know when they're ready to get back on the table. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting when their mom calls and says, okay, such and such is she feels like her energy's out and they're so aware because they don't have those blocks that have been set up that said, oh, that's not a real thing or you need to work harder. You need to do this. Yeah. Um, so it's really fun to see children's response to healing it's 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 an amazing thing it's a lesson for us i think Uh, yeah like you said i think it is kind of pushing toward that direction again which is a good thing and adults are maybe becoming more aware of that Um, yeah well when you look at the outlets for people to rest and relax now 
meditation and these mandalas, adult coloring books, all these things are starting to become popular yeah. again because it's a way for us to disconnect, you know? So I think people are kind of turning the bend. I think we're coming around to that again. Like, let's take care of me for a little bit. And, you know, it's not being selfish. It's being self-full, yeah. you know? No, so. I always tell people, I use the analogy from the airplane, put your own oxygen mask on first. And I... Yep. I had this conversation. Actually, I had this conversation with my old boss. I was talking about not taking your morning session. He's like, well, you don't want to get up and do it. I said, well, I get out this late and I want to sleep. And if I'm not well slept, people aren't getting as well trained. Yep. Like I want Absolutely. to do my best for them. But right. I can't if I'm not taking care of myself. Right. And like you were saying, a lot of people are ignoring that part of it. Yeah. And, and that it's okay to do that. Right. right. I mean, you can go too far that way and right. definitely do nothing and be and be <laughs> right. lazy. Right. But it's a balance. I think it's a balance. And that's different for everybody. You know, what mm -hmm. fills one person's cup doesn't fill another. So it's finding that balance of what keeps you energized and full. And yet you still have to live in this world that surrounds us. Right. You, you have know, to and have that's, our life. That's how it so, is. Yeah. yeah. It's tricky. It's hard. It's a hard balance. <laughs> Yeah. So um, when I get on the table, you make me take my Fitbit off here. And I wanted to ask you, how much do they talk about like EMF or just, I mean, like all of the radio waves, cell tower waves, Wi-Fi, all the stuff that's going across us that we can't see. Right. In your uh, learning and education, do they talk about that at all and how it affects our personal energy fields? It can, but that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, is about keeping your energy field in if you can. Yeah. Um, there's a universal energy field. We can't ever get away from that. Even if we had no electronics out there mm -hmm. and nothing that was buzzing out there, um, there would still be that universal energy field. Yeah. Um, so we have to kind of create that separation between our field and that. Now, when I'm working with someone on the table, um, I want anything that's on theirs or in their field to be gone. Yeah. Um, it can't interrupt what we're doing. Okay. So that's why I have you kind of take that stuff off. Um, we're going to be in the world where we are exposed to all these other things, but that's why it's really important to kind of protect your field. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times when a client is going to be in an environment where there's a lot of other people or they're going to be around a lot of electronical stuff or they're going to be around things that are going to affect them that way, we just try to set the intention that we're in, when they're in that space, they're keeping that field as tight as they yeah. can. And there's some things that we can do and give to the client to do beforehand to kind of make sure that that field is shored up. Okay. Yeah. Now, with that, is that meaning does our energy field act as a defense or is it a, a barrier to block out that or how does that it play? Is. It into, can be. Okay. Um, we have to set that intention and it goes back to that whole thought piece. Um, we're going to set the intention when we walk into this place that my energy is going to stay here. And um, hmm. it's kind of visuals are really good for my clients. So yeah. I say it's like stepping in a bag. You step in a bag, pull it up over the top of your head, and tie a knot. Your field is on the inside and everybody else's field is on the outside. Okay. Um, so it's really just thinking about keeping that field close and yeah. things. You know, it is. it can affect you, obviously, when you have an MRI or a CAT scan or anything like that. Yes, it can absolutely mess your field up, no matter what you're doing, no matter what intent you set. Yeah. So then you just get back on that table, let it put the field back in. There's going to be things that are going to distract your field, no matter how hard you keep it and trying to, to keep it from going out. Just day-to-day -day life can happen. Um, but there are some things that you can do to kind of, yeah, help that. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then, so we, we have our personal and you said we're kind of all on one other connected energy field. Yeah. 
Um, where does that stem from in your education or anything? Is there a background on that? Yeah, what, what I about? know about that, um, and I'm still learning, is <laughs> that there is an energy field that um, connects everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and it's called the divine matrix. Okay. So when people talk about um, the healing power of prayer, or when people get in a prayer group or try to set the intention, the reason why that works is because all those people that are setting that intention in that energy field is going directly to that person. So the more concentrated that energy yeah. is, the more it can work. So from a scientific standpoint, after the Big Bang, once mass separates, it can be separate from other pieces, yeah. but that energy field never is separate. Mass can separate, the energy can't, and so that's why everything is still connected after all this time. Yeah. Um, it's like a huge, giant spider web is the best way I can describe it. So we are all honestly and sincerely connected to one another and to everything. Yeah, no, I believe that. I want to take a real quick detour. You did mention the Big Bang, and it's funny, I, I was listening to something the other day and talking about not alternative theories on it, but describing what it really is. And one theory I heard was that it, everything was energy in different vibrations and that they think that the Big Bang was just this event of it randomly sinking up and that's what caused it to expand. I don't know, do you hear anything like that? This is, like I said, totally yeah. off the riff here. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. That's, that's something that you've heard before. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting. There is, and don't know um, a lot about it, but there is a scientist, his name is Greg Braden, and he was mm -hmm. in the HEAL documentary. Okay. And he talks a lot about that divine matrix. He has a book called The Divine Matrix oh, okay. um, that talks about that in detail and yeah. like how it works. And it's, it's science-based. He's a scientist, but he also sees that there's this other connection. There's this other piece that we don't really understand, yeah. but we know works. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times where like you're getting ready to like reach out to someone and then right as you're about to do it here they're calling you right. and you're like I was right. just thinking about you like <laughs> right. and you, you, yeah right. things like that are weird or, and that's where I think it it makes that divine matrix understandable for people yeah you know that like oh, okay maybe that's why that connection happens you know that mm -hmm. that everybody's on that same grid at some point yeah. connecting somewhere yeah, yeah. In, a, in a world where a lot of things are about knowing or people wanting to know and or definitely um, do you find that that is a struggle for someone in your position where a lot of the things is more about letting go of that sense of mm -hmm. knowing and just accepting what yeah. is and what isn't yeah yeah it, it's so it's a surrender and most of us aren't very good at that no. <laughs> um, and myself included I know I'd say I, I tell everyone to be that certain way let go and I still find myself right. in situations like yeah. that it, it's really hard it's interesting it's just a, a small caveat here healing the the really kind of the reason that I got into healing touch is because I was kind of unable to be present and unable mm. to surrender my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's about mm -hmm. eight years ago and uh, that was something that I just could not accept and, and didn't understand and I couldn't understand and how to relate to somebody in the present moment. And that was her whole life at that point. Because someone with Alzheimer's doesn't know anything other than what is in this moment. Yeah. You don't have 10 seconds later. It's the moment that you're in. And so I was finding it very difficult to relate to my mom. And so um, a counselor that I had seen at the time said, let's find a way to get you present in the moment. 
um, and meditations just seemed way off for me. And so I think because she knew I was science-based, said, hey, why don't you look into Healing Touch? Not yeah. necessarily because it led me down a whole other path, but right. for myself. And so uh, Shriners Hospital hosted the Healing Touch Level 1 course. And I thought, you know, this is, you know, it's a reputable hospital. I was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a naysayer at that point even. Um, and after a weekend training um, for Level 1, it changed my life forever. So you trained before you act, before you even received the tr- treatment or uh, what do you call yeah. it? Yeah. you call it treatment? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Treatment, like, healing yeah. session. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Intervention. Yeah. yeah. It, all those things. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Um, I... Because I was a naysayer, I will admit about this, and and really didn't, I wasn't on board with Healing Touch. I signed up for the course. I was committed to do it because I thought this would be interesting for me for a scientific purpose and and education. Um, I thought I was going to do my homework, and I was going to go see someone who did Healing Touch before I actually took the course. Okay. Just to kind of see, of course, you know, I'm trying to judge everything. Right. And uh, went to see someone. Uh, I was actually in Colorado at the time and just picked somebody out of the phone book out there that was under the Healing Touch program that I'm under. Uh-huh. I wanted to get somebody that was going to be doing the training that I did. Yeah. was going to be doing. And she did Healing Touch for me. And it blew my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. I was this, I don't know what this is. I don't know how this works, but I am signed up and I am going to do the training. And so I came back to Cincinnati and, you know, it was like six weeks later, I actually did the training. I had signed up to do it. Okay. Um, and ever after that weekend, it, it, it just changes your life. It changes your perspective. Um, and it's just been a great journey. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I went from someone who's very, very skeptical, not in a negative way, but in a sciencey way. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. And realized that, yeah, I don't know everything and that there's this whole other piece of the world that I wasn't aware of. And so now it's just about trying to further my education with that and work with people, not just to help myself, obviously, but um, to make a difference. Yeah. You know, it just changes how you see the world. It Absolutely. did for me. It did for right, me. Right, yeah. yeah. No, I, I've kind of come across the same or similar realization in a different way, but about, that, yeah, like going back to that letting go of trying to prove everything versus just right. accepting, and it, it is a different thing. And as much as you can spread that, I think people will relax a little more, enjoy things a little more, yeah. be in the moment a little yeah. more, um, really go get everything out of life instead of go through life. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so what what is your background then? Because you, you said science girl. So what, what yeah, were you doing Yeah, so beforehand? by trade, I'm a dental hygienist. Okay. Yeah, so even when I was in high school, I loved all the sciences. It just connected with that. Um, and so I've been practicing as a dental hygienist for 32 years mm-hmm. um, and loved it and loved every piece of it. It's, That's good. It's been wonderful because it is a way to help people and um, connect with people. I'm a people person. <laughs> um, and so I think it's about that connection. Um, after doing the healing uh, touch courses, I realized that there might be a shift for me now. Um, yeah. Not that I don't want to stop doing dental hygiene, but I definitely want Healing Touch to be a huge part of what I do. Yeah, you want to pursue forward. this more. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it is absolutely incredible to know that you can help someone move forward. That's mm-hmm. what we're all here for. 
to enjoy being in the moment and yeah. not so much having an expectation for everything that we do. Um, we're here for a limited amount of time. And so to be able to help people kind of put the brakes on expectation and heal and be comfortable in each day, it's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift. So yeah, I want to pursue that more. So you still, but you still practice. I do. I'm still full time as yeah. a dental hygienist. Yeah. Yep. And I love it. How do you balance that? How do you balance that? How much, what's your workload like for, so for this? I work Monday through Thursday as a dental hygienist. Um, and then I'm off on Friday, which is a great day to be able to do healing touch stuff. Um, getting the balance to doing the healing touch and working right now. And have is, time to do all the other things. Right. It can be tricky sometimes, um, which has really kind of um, made it challenging to go to the next level, to mm. level four. I, I definitely want to pursue that. Yeah. Um, at that point, I will have a certain number of commitments that I have to do and work that I have to do with the healing touch piece outside of seeing people on the table that I'm doing now. So doing that and working full time and finding time for myself is going to be really tough. So it's just about a timing thing. Um, I have healing touch done for myself. Um, so I work on that, you know, I'll know when the timing is right. So do the work, you know, that's what Jane Menke, the the creator of healing touch says, just do the work. Yeah. Everything else will open and you will find that path and you'll do what you need to do. Yeah. So I'm just letting go and trusting yeah. that when that time is appropriate, I'll be able to do that. Yeah, I like that approach too. It's not, you know, it's not that it's not good to have a plan, but I think too strict of one. I think we're all yeah. really terrible at predicting things anyway. Yeah. So why try? Yeah. As long as it's, I for me, I see it as it's, it's this, it's a direction I'm going in generally. Right. But I'm. I'm zigging and zagging right. along and right. I might hit something where, Ooh, I get to go really far in right. that direction because of whatever I saw. But in the right. meantime, I'm just yep. letting something come up, finding things. Yeah. And there's beautiful gifts in those zigs and zags. Oh yeah. There's beautiful gifts in those. We yeah. don't necessarily see them. It's like getting this beautiful gift that has this really ugly wrapping on top of it. Once you get the wrapping off, there's this beautiful gift underneath. Yeah. So you have to appreciate those zigs and zags along the way, but there's lots of them. And sometimes you don't see it till it's way past oh. Oh. You're like, oh, well, that, that Abs- actually turned out to be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So. So level four is the next step. Yeah. And you kind of said you're just letting the opportunity yeah. see itself. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you can or that you do have planned to do for that? Or is there any other little step or anything? There is. Yeah. There is. Actually, there's um, a great site um, that I've gotten onto that I can do um, training for what is called emotional freedom technique, Okay. which is kind of an intervention that can be done um, with uh, tapping, which is also another energetic healing um, intervention where we can help clients unearth things through this emotional freedom technique. So mm-hmm. it's another intervention that we can do. I don't really know a lot about it yet. Yeah. Um, it was briefly um, uh, spotlighted and heal. Okay. Um, I'm, I can't remember that uh, part Where there was a counselor and she would have the client repeat things. Oh, which is doing which a forehead and the, in the meridians. And- Right. Some kind of mantra where they were, yeah. I right. So it's, it's stuff comes up yeah. during that. And it's all about these meridians. So signed up for that course. That's an online course. And meridian. That's the acupuncture that right. they use the meridian lines. Okay. Yes. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So all of those things are energy medicine. It's kind of all under that umbrella. Yeah. And they all have different names for it, but um, those are really important for bringing and surfacing things. I don't know a lot about the emotional freedom technique, okay. but I'm, I'm anxious because I'm signed up to do that. Yeah. So that'll be the next thing. Do the meridians, do they align with the ch chakras at all or any of that? Is that is that connected or is that a separate? That's kind of a separate okay. thing. They are, we are all connected, but yes, well, that's yeah. kind of a set. These are centers where actually the meridians are based in how energy flows in the physical body. Okay. So yeah, that would be like acupuncture and reflexology and those type mm -hmm. of meridians. So yeah, so I'm hoping to do some courses like that along the way yeah. to help kind of further what I'm doing right now. Um, experience with different people's energy fields um, is really important to me now so that I just get the experience of working with all kinds of people with all kinds of goals and, and needs as far as their energy goes. Um, I've been blessed to work with people that have had organs removed and I've worked with people that have had cancer. Oh, wow. I work with people that have MS. I work with, I've been able to work with kids and teenagers, um, emotional people that come in with some pretty severe emotional issues um, and you know trauma. So even in the short four years, I've been pretty lucky to have a big variety of exposure to those things. And it just helps me learn. It helps me understand um, things that I can do to help those clients. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a wonderfully, um, it's a wonderfully learning gift for sure. So you still practice healing touch or you still receive healing touch yourself. How often do you do that? And how do you how do you find someone that like you trust to do that? And what's that like for you knowing everything, you know, right? So I, yes, absolutely. I get healing touch and depending on what's going on in my world depends on how frequently I go. Okay. Um, and I always share that with my clients when they first come to see me, the, the, the number one question absolutely is how often should I come? Yeah. When do you want to see me back? When should, and then that schedule is just dependent on the client. So, um, I normally go about once every three weeks, okay. maybe once a month. Yeah. Um, when I had some challenges this summer with my mom's passing and a lot of emotional issues going on, I was on the table a whole bunch. Yeah. Sometimes it was once a week, oh, wow. um, because I just couldn't find center. I couldn't find a way to keep my field in, to keep myself balanced. Self-care, um, was actually hard. You know, when you're going through the grieving process and you're going through challenges, the first thing that we want to put off is taking care of ourselves. And then it's counterintuitive, but it's what people do. Mm -hmm. um, so I was on the table a lot. My healing touch practitioner is my level one instructor. Okay. So um, we made a connection right out of the gate um, when I took her course at Shriners. Um, she was also a dental hygienist for oh, 40 years. Okay. Um, I did not know that when we met. I called her cold, called her when I called to set up for the healing touch. And I said, I know this is probably crazy. And most people that do healing touch are either massage therapists or holistic nurses. Yeah. I'm neither of those. I'm a dental hygienist. So I'm probably this rare bird. And she's like, you're not as rare as you think you are. I'm going to blow your mind. Isn't that interesting how you yeah. found her too? Right? Yes. Like, yeah. like no accident. <laughs> she's like, I've been a hygienist for 30 some years, 38 years. And I was like, wow. So um, obviously we've made a connection. So I trust her after that first weekend um, and just everything about her yeah. um, said, this is a person who I want in my tribe. This is a person who is holding the light for other people and making a difference. And she is an amazing soul. So 
she is the lady who does healing touch for me. All right. Yeah. So, um, and she's my mentor, not officially yet, but she is okay. my mentor. I mean, she has gotten me through some pretty hefty things in the last four years. Yeah. Um, even as someone who does healing touch, we all have the same challenges in our day, in our world. Um, things that will distract us. Um, I'm just like everybody else. I have a hard time focusing sometimes <laughs> and I have a hard time not taking things personal. And so we all have those pieces that are hard for us. And when we get on the table, we're able to clear those things out yeah. and, and find that center, find being grounded, find easier ways to get back to that when we're knocked off of our bike. What do you personally feel on the table? What's what's it like for you? For me... Like I said, I felt vibrations yeah, come. What are you... Kinda... I feel a lot of vibrations. Yeah. Um, I am able to... Because I meditate every day. Mm-hmm. I find that I, once I get on the table, I kind of disappear. So okay. a lot of times I'm not feeling those physical sensations anymore because I'm off. Yeah. Um, I get into a space kind of in between sleep um, and being awake. And so I can just kind of, I don't have thought when I'm on the table when she's working on me. Now, there are times when I've had injuries, physical injuries, where she's had to work on it. And of course, I feel those. Yeah. But I'm, I've gotten to the point when I have healing touch done now, I kind of, I just disappear for a little bit. Um, and I guess that's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When uh, you start talking about physical injuries, that brings up a point. When it is something, someone comes to you for the physical or you find something physical, What's what's the sensation? How how do you know or what do you feel when someone tells you something's going on? Yeah, if they come to me and say, I have a physical injury and yeah. I want this taken care of, I already know that it's a physical injury, so I can't always be neutral about because I already know that there's a physical injury mm-hmm. there. Sometimes I will find things yeah. that where it feels like there's congestion or where the energy's stuck and they've had an injury there, but they didn't disclose that to me before. Okay. So yes, we know energy's getting stuck there for whatever reason. When we have a physical injury, it seems that energy tends to kind of connect to that area and get stuck in that physical yeah. area. Hmm. So a lot of times previous injuries will come up when people have gotten to the point where their energy, where their field is out, their chakras are closed, energy's getting stuck. It goes to those areas where we yeah. have kind of previous history. Okay. Because so do you think that that's part of the body's healing response is it sending that there like i mean i'm always big on like i'm, I'm pro-inflammation well i should rephrase that not pro-inflammation generally i'm pro-acute inflammation not chronic inflammation right because i'm always the person that tells someone like don't ice that let that's your body heal and let that be yeah um is that a similar thing with is the energy getting stuck there because it's there or should it be there should it not like what yeah. is the view from on an that? energetic standpoint no we don't okay. want that energy there okay we don't want it congested and it goes back to that whole kind of dis-ease thing that we were talking about before okay we want energy moving through when energy is moving through then that's when healing will happen in uh, okay. an area that's inflamed so we want energy moving through there we don't want it stuck there because yeah. then your body's not able to heal because that we don't have that spiral of life thing going on so from an energetic standpoint, not necessarily a physiological standpoint, we want energy moving everywhere, okay. freely, back and forth, back and forth. And why do you think it gets stuck there, though? I think because we, your cells have a memory. There was an injury there or there yeah. may be an injury there. That circle is not moving, mm-hmm. and so that's where energy gets stuck. It's like coming up against a wall. The energy okay. can't move through that. So it's more because of the general lack of energy flow. It's just finding somewhere to... 
attached. Park to, right, to yeah, park. That's to the, the best way to describe yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I see. And it yeah. just it tends to flow to those places. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was interesting to me. You were talking about today. You felt some in my right hip, which is, I did tell you beforehand that my hip flexor was feeling tight, but I didn't specify which one and happened to be the right one. So you were feeling that. Yeah. And then I didn't tell you at all about my ankle injury um, that I had. So I'll give you a little more about that. I sprained it. They classified it as sprain. I don't know what it was. It was softball size. 2017, so almost three years ago. For two years, it was double the size of my other ankle. I couldn't get it wow. to go down at all. Um, it's where I actually had some combination of Western Eastern medicine is the dry needling. Uh, yeah. That was the one thing that, yeah. that the swelling went down from that. But there's always still been some, it's it's not the same range of motion. It's getting better and better, but it's still not the same as the other. It's still slightly bigger. But I, you know, it, it's not an issue for me anymore. But going back to, I hadn't told you about that. Right. And you were saying the left ankle. And that, yeah. like, that was interesting to me that yeah. it's getting built up. So it's that yeah. previous injury. And it right. was a pretty... Again, left fat for two years on that ankle, so it was something right. that was significant. So I feel like it may be where things will get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll work on that now that we know about exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so that's, see, that's something cool, too. Right. So do you ever, um, do you ever not diagnose, but ever find something in someone that they didn't see and then it, like, they came back to you like, so I went to the doctor and they said, like... I have had that happen just a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, a couple times. And I never want to say that I'm diagnosing... Right, I don't know you what know, you use as far as a term. But. Right, we really can't. We're, we're not diagnosing anything. Okay. All I can say is that I know that that area, you know, is... There's that congestion for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. There's something going on there. Um, you know, and it's for someone that's been in... And I see this consistently. We always have areas that are going to pop up. Yeah. But when I see something that consistently shows up in their field every single time I see them, I'm like, investigate that. Go you know. Check and that's yeah. where we do a ton of referrals. There are times when I've had clients that I've worked with for four, five, six, seven times, and I don't feel like I can serve them any further. Mm. Then I refer them to someone else, to mm -hmm. another healing touch practitioner who's ahead of me yeah. in training, or to a therapist, or to a physical doctor, um, or whatever their need is. Yeah. Um, because sometimes we get to a point where I can't give them the answers that they need, but I see that there's an issue. And then that's when I say, you need to do your homework. And here's what I think you might want to investigate. So, yeah, that's happened a couple times. Okay. Yeah. How closely do the other practitioners let you work with them? I mean, I don't know. Do you get much? Like you said, it's been coming more around. But, like, yeah. if, if or do you even contact? Do you, do you or do you contact someone's doctor if they're talking about this? Because they're coming to you regularly, but they're also getting checked up right. by them. How much of that? I leave is... that up to the client. Okay. Because a lot of times they're not necessarily comfortable because they don't know how their doctor or therapist is going to receive what's going on. Right. Um, but I usually let them make that connection. Now, I do remain open that here is my number. Here is what okay. I do. If your practitioner, your doctor, your therapist needs to talk to me, and you're okay with it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, have them give me a call. Um, I think because there's still a lot of pushback, uh, clients are uncomfortable with saying that they're coming here. Yeah. When they go to their doctor, they just say, hey, I've got this going on. Can you find out if there's something going on there? But then they come back to me and say, oh, my gosh, this is what was going on. 
and that's why I was having the, the energy problem yeah. there. So I get the connection kind of secondhand, um, but there's not a lot. Of, I don't think there's a lot of clients that are, are comfortable yet. I see connecting those on purpose. I have a couple that probably would if it came up, yeah. but have, it hasn't happened yet. Now, when they give you more information, um, is that able to help anything that you're doing with them? So, like, uh, let's you know, okay, I'm. I'm you feel a lot in their back or something. They go to the doctor and he's, I don't know if this, they'd probably notice this without your help, but he's like, oh, you got a herniated disc or something like that. Yeah. Does the injury specificity make it any different to the treatment that you give or? We can do more focused treatment on those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm generally working in that area if I feel some kind of congestion anyway. Okay. Um, but specifically knowing something can help me kind of maybe pick an intervention that might be more specific yeah. to that area. Um, the One of the clients that I work with and didn't know what was going on, felt a fullness in her throat, and I would always find something in her throat. So when she went to the doctor and had all these testing done, she realized that there was an issue with her thyroid. Mm. So yeah, it can help me that I know I'm going to work on that area to keep that balance going for her, but it's okay. nice feedback. So yeah, it's it's making those complementary kind of connections, yeah. like what we're doing with what they're doing, what their doc's doing. Yeah. How much overlap is there with teeth? You know, I, I, I haven't had a lot of teeth stuff, believe okay. it or not. Um, a lot of joint issues, the jaw, mm. the TMJ. I have had lots of people so that I'll be working on that, but not teeth specifically, okay. no. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know if there was uh, anything. You can't, I guess you can't treat a cavity with the, with the healing touch. You can do anything. Okay, that's true. You can Good do point. anything. Good point. Absolutely. That yep. is true. Just to have that intention. I'm, I'm blessed because actually a lot of the clients that I'm seeing are my patients where I work? Yeah, because I, you know, obviously I share. And I say, how much I, do you talk about that? I, I talk about depending on who the patient is and you know what they want when they come in. Yeah, not everybody wants a chatty hygienist, um, but we kind of have them trapped. You know, we get to do all the talking <laughs> when we're working on them. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I, I, where I've worked, I've worked for twenty years. Mm -hmm. So I know them, and I know their kids, and I know their grandkids, and so they. I think for the most part, my patients really like that conversation back and forth so yeah I share a lot about the healing touch piece there and out of that people and without a push um, will say you, would you see me is that something that I could have done yeah so I've never once approached a patient at my dental hygiene practice and said hey come and be my patient right. or my client on the table they ask yeah. they hear and they're very piqued with interest as to like that sounds really cool I yeah. really like how that sounds so I've been blessed to, to have clients that's probably a cool way to intake clients too is because yeah. it's someone who's already willing to try it versus right. you're dragging a them cold, along. But right. Yeah. And I think the piece honestly too is that they know me. It's yeah. not like That's a true. cold person saying, yeah. Hey, I'm doing healing touch and they're like, I don't know you. They know my history, they know how long I've been there, they know a lot about me. So yeah. I think that there's a little comfort level there too. Which okay. is good. That's what I would want. Yeah. Yeah. Is there much overlap in the the strategies you use as far as um, patient care there versus here? Do you, do you get a lot out of what you learn from? I always I like do. to see the overlap in things. Yeah. yeah, I really do. And I didn't, I guess maybe I didn't realize that until I started doing Healing Touch. And I'm like, wow, it's that same kind of thing. It's like focus on the person that's in front of you. Yeah. What's their need? What's going to work for them? Look yeah. at what's going on with them. And not, especially with dental hygiene, not just what's going on in their mouth. Because that's usually not the biggest thing that keeps them from doing all the things that they need to do. That's a good point. It's all these other factors. So what other factors can I alleviate 
to make that person whole. Yeah. And it's really a lot what I do on the table here when yeah. I do a healing touch. So yeah, there's a ton of overlap. I didn't realize it at first until I started doing it and I was like, wait a second, I think there is, you know. Um, and I'm touching patients all the time at work <laughs> when I'm cleaning their that teeth. That is true, yeah. You know, just that touch. Yeah. Forget that putting your hand on someone's shoulder, when you're telling them something, is that connection. Oh, yeah. I'm connected to you, and I'm listening to you. I mean, um, why does a hug hear? feel so good? You know, oh, like, exactly. yeah, like, 20-second hugs. I'm a big proponent yeah. of 20-second hugs. That's, you have to have eight a day. That connection. <laughs> As a minimum. Yeah. It is that personal connection. So, yeah, I think there is a lot of overlap. And I think it just stems from, you know, what am I here for? What am I doing? Yeah, you thinking know? big picture on I everything. Wanna, I want to be someone that's helping someone else because people are helping me every day. Yeah. So it's about that community. It really, really is. And I think the order that you get, you're a young person, the <laughs> order that you get, the more you realize the value in our connection to one another. You yeah. Know? So I think it's important. I'm trying to realize that. Like, I'm, I know I'm young. Uh, I'm trying to figure <laughs> it all out. But uh, I think I told you this last time, it's it's a cool point in my life because I'm paying attention to the people I'm meeting and I'm seeing all the connections. And I, like I said, I keep feeling like I'm meeting a lot of the right people at the right time. And I'm seeing right. so much overlap with that. Like, again, like I said, that, that gentleman that was talking about hitting right. touch the week after I meet you. And it's, yeah. and I, again, I don't know if that's happening or if I'm paying more attention to it. And that's why it feels like it's happening more often. Yeah. Was this always the case? And I'm just right. blinders on going forward. Right. Or, or is it, or a little bit of both, like yeah, that a connection. Combination yeah. Of that, yeah, and I think that's amazing that you're able to make those connections now because that's huge. I think a, a lot of people, I don't want to make a generality, but I think a lot of young people were so focused yeah. that they, they don't see those things or oh, so yeah. set on their goals that they kind of lose. And I'm guilty of it. I did it. When I, I, was, I am too. Yeah, out of the gate. So, <laughs> um, but I think that's great that you can because I think those connections are hugely important. You're going to get so much information from all those little things. Yeah, yeah. and the more people that I do like to have in my tribe that are like that too just the the better everything goes and don't feels. you feel like the the connections just pop in front of you it's yeah. like everything opens up to you when you start having those people that support where you're at yeah it's really yeah. amazing and then not just with that this actually takes me into the next one more thing i want to talk about is i was kind of talking about the environment being this negative thing but just everything else that is good about the environment that helps i do a lot of research into things like earthing or grounding, yeah. you know, spending barefoot time outside yeah. on grass and other natural surfaces. Right. I'm big into sunlight therapy, I guess I would call it. Yeah. But just, I mean, you know, the whole seasonal depression thing. It's yep. to me, it's just we're not getting that sunlight which we need. Which they, you know, they'll chalk it up to vitamin D or something. I, right. I'm more simple. I'm just just sunlight. I don't care what it is, but something right. about that. I mean, that's why we're alive. Right. Number one. Right. Among with the uh, the water and all that. And, right. Um, what's how much of that in healing touch do they talk about? How much of that type of stuff? Your external environment, as far as a positive. Um, yeah. Um, it really varies from person to person. There's okay. not a lot on that. You know, I just, of course, I read a lot of the books of people that do healing touch um, that uh, are required reading for the different levels. Yeah. And those people tend to talk a lot more about those other things. Okay. Um, but any any way that you can find um, 
things in nature that help ground you, mm -hmm. I think healing touch support. So it's just finding whatever that is. Um, I have a beautiful tree in my front yard yeah. that my neighbors probably think I'm crazy, but I hug that tree all the time. I there am a literal tree hugger All right. Um, because there's so much good energy out there. You yeah. know, talk about those other things that man has made that causes disruptions. But Mother Nature, you know, the Mother Earth has got so many things. We have crystals and we have these oils and we have green grass and we have water and all those things support because we're connected to them. Yeah. Like that divine matrix, we're connected to all of those things. And so when we surround ourselves with those things, that's when we feel whole. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what other things besides besides tree hugging? What other things <laughs> uh, do you... That's awesome. No, I'm going to start doing that. What, uh, <laughs> what other things do you do as far as that? Um, holistic approach that involve your external environment. Yeah. I'm outside as much as I possibly can be. Yeah. Cold, hot, I'm outside. Um, I like to do things with water because water in particular for me is super grounding. Mm -hmm. So if it's not a time when I can be outside and be in the water, which can't always happen in the wintertime, I will soak in Epsom salt. I will take a, a bath with Epsom salt in it. And yeah. to me, that is just super grounding. So I found that water for me is the trick. Okay. You know, it, it, it's just soaking. I've not yet done the floating. Oh, the um, float tanks. Yeah. Um, but I have done the Himalayan salt cave. Okay. And it is an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that grounds. And that's me. what the, the salt lamps come from right yeah, that's the yeah, idea behind yeah, that they, there's a lot of places that are available now that will do you can go in and just sit in the salt cave and it's just covered in salt and then they infuse very fine mist of himalayan salt in the air okay so it's supposed to help with respiration it helps clear your lungs it detoxifies yeah. you um and you just feel like a million bucks when you leave there you're salty yeah yeah <laughs> you're very salty when you leave but it's but you good. Feel good yeah so just being outside for me i'm a runner Okay. Um, yeah. So being outside is my active meditation. I don't care where I'm running. I don't care if it's on concrete or trail running. For me, that's my active meditation is yeah. being out and moving. Yeah. How long have you been a runner for? I have. Oh, you're gonna make me say it out loud. I've probably <laughs> run for about 30 years. All right. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Didn't really was not a runner as a young person. Yeah. Um, and just had a friend who was a runner and said, Hey, you should try this. And I did. And I've been running ever since. Do more roads or trails? Um, now I do more trails. Okay. I used to do a lot of road running. I used to run long distance. Yeah. That was my jam. Um, so I've done five marathons, <sighs> more half marathons than I can count. Oh, wow. More five K's than I can count. Um, but for me, that is just that I can fall into that zone and let the world fall away yeah. when I'm running. You so. doing the pig this year? I am doing the pig this year. All right. Yep. I will probably do the 10K. I haven't decided quite yet. I'm doing weight training now, too. So it's kind okay. of the balance of Good. trying to do both. Good. But I'll be fundraising for the Alzheimer's Association. Okay. Yep. I do it every year with them, um, gosh, for the last probably eight years. Yeah. Um, to raise money for Alzheimer's. That's so, awesome. And not just for research, which is really important, but to support, to support the people that have it yeah. and the caregivers here in Cincinnati, which I think is crucial because a lot of fundraising kind of goes to this national here in Cincinnati. A lot of the funds go to help support the caregivers who are, their loved ones are struggling with Alzheimer's. Yeah. So yes, it's always a great cause and it's a great, this year will be really heartfelt. This will be the first year without mom doing it. Yeah. So, um, I'll be, she'll be running with me. 
Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you so. get to work with anyone with Alzheimer's? Or do you know of anyone with Healing Touch that's doing directly for that work? I, do, I have not. The only person that I've done it on is my own mother. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I did a lot of Healing Touch with her. Um, so it was personal. but um, And I also had my Healing Touch um, level one instructor mm-hmm. come and work with my mom, too. Okay. Um, she connected with my mom. And I felt like, you know, mom deserved all the support that she could get. Um, so, yeah. So outside here, no, I have not worked with her. Okay. I did. Um, I have made a couple uh, visits to skilled nursing centers where there was a dementia piece in with what was going on with them, too. Okay. Um, probably the most sacred um, and a heartfelt um, visit that I've had with someone that was passing, mm. So besides my mom. Um, and so I was able to do uh, what we call a chakra spread, um, which just helps make their passing more peaceful. It lowers their respiration. It opens their chakras to whatever journey they're going to be going on. Yeah. So that was a sacred um, and amazing experience for me. Sad, but very, um, very rewarding because yeah. the family members felt like they got some peace with that too when they saw their loved one more restful during, yeah. that, during that passing. So, Is that yeah. a niche that you're looking to explore a little more? Or? I am. Yeah. Yeah, I am. It's interesting that you would pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, they just seem very passionate the way you were talking about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, it, I think there's not enough support um, with that process for yeah. people that are going through it, that are passing, and for their loved ones. Um, so, yeah, there there is actually some training that can be done to specifically involve with that. And not just, just necessarily with just the healing touch piece, but mm-hmm. supporting everyone in that death process. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that might be something down the road that I would really be interested in doing, too. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that type of stuff and I, I, relating it to my field. But that's, yeah, that's one of the reasons I got into it was because of there's... I don't know how much research on your end, and again, you know how I feel about research anyway, but uh, they're talking about people with Alzheimer's or other degenerative brain diseases and and just taking a look at overall health and wellness and whether that be physical or stress management or therapy, talking to people, and they're like talking about how much that does play a role in, yeah. if not helping it, at least easing it and slowing it down, that kind of, again, that degenerative process. Um, what amazing work. That's great that you're thinking It's that It's way. really cool. Yeah, and that's why I said I wanted to ask you if that's something you were interested in. Yeah. You know, ideally it would be, that'd be a good goal to work with people like yeah. that. And yeah. Just to show what, again, what the body can do for itself. Right. Rather than relying on right. everything else. Right. But, uh, and people are familiar with doulas for when women are having babies, but they're not really familiar with having a death doula. Yeah. And that's what that piece is. And it's just being that support system for yeah. your loved ones and for the person who's going through with it. And if you have healing touch um, that you can do for that as a piece of that, how fantastic would that be? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I also want to do, before I forget, I want to talk uh, crystals. Crystals, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned it briefly. Um, you gave me some blue ones last time and told me. So so there's a lot to do with colors or maybe more so it's the light because the colors are different light waves and that's how they're absorbed right. and reflected. Um, is that what the crystals are designed for? Is that 
what it's coming from and because you also told me to wear blue too right. so that's another thing right. yeah you can um, the colors are important because all of the chakras are specific colors mm -hmm. so if we see that there's a chakra that's closed and we want to try to keep that open wearing that color or having that color around you helps support that stain okay um, crystals are like all the other pieces of support so we have essential oils that can be used we have crystals um, you know we have meditations we have um, mantras that all those things help support someone yeah being open again newbie on the crystal thing but i've had some experience with it i have my handy dandy crystal bible yeah. here so if i don't know something about it so i have a, a pretty limited um, knowledge at this point about crystals but there's some pretty standard ones that i will give out to my clients um, or recommend that they get because i know that they work really well um, there's a, a gentleman over in Blue Ash in this area. It's called the Crystal Guy. Okay. Super knowledgeable. He's the crystal guru. Like he's my <laughs> idol. If you want to know anything about crystals, he's the guy. Yeah. Um, so I went over and just because I'm very interested in always knowing about all these other things that we have available to us. So he gave me a quick course on crystals in the kyanite. The blue kyanite is really just one of the crystals that helps connect everything. And it really mm. is just about the energy in that crystal. Some crystals have energy that um, moves in different areas of the body. And that's just knowing all the crystals. And okay. Work. Um, kyanite is kind of like Advil. It kind of works for everything. Yeah. <laughs> so it helps connect the chakras. There's different colors of kyanite, but blue um, I really connect with because a lot of people's throat chakra okay. is affected. So, so the, the crystal and the color are kind of separate components that can work Correct. together. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and so there's, so I don't know, is there a red kyanite, but, or some You other... know what? I think there is, I don't know that there's a red kyanite, but there, there might be, I know there's a, a just a plain kyanite and then there's like an orangey kyanite, okay. I think. But the orange and the blue kyanite would maybe, they'd have some similar effects, but slightly different for right. a different might purpose. Have other little different differences that would be spe more specific to one thing okay. or another. Okay. Or yeah. kyanite, blue kyanite versus another blue crystal would be something right. different. Right. Could, could okay. be totally different. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's gotcha. a there's a crystal called it um a pink opal and it is kind of a grieving crystal. So the, hmm. the crystal guy was like, "Okay, I think you need to have this one." And yeah. so and it's just beautiful and then sometimes when you go into a place, you don't even know what you need. Yeah. But when you pick up a crystal and it feels good in your hand, you're like, I have to have this. Yeah. So it's that intuitive piece. Again, what feels good energetically in your hand? So sometimes you have to pick up a crystal and see what it feels like. Or if you look at a crystal and say, hey, that looks really good, and you pick it up, and it's like, yeah, this crystal's really good. Um, like I said, I'm not very knowledgeable on all the different crystals, but yeah. there's certain ones. You know, rose quartz is great for the heart chakra. There's different crystals that are good for different things. What's the one? This is I'm, I'm going to see what you're saying, and I'll let you know what I was thinking. But... Uh, What's the, there's one that I picture when you think about all that and that is associated with the word chakras that's like the segmented color. I've yeah. seen it before. Is that just a... That's, I don't think that that is a, a, just a crystal that comes that way. Right. Yeah. Okay. My, so I was wondering if that was like what the... I don't even know what word to use. Not that it's fake, but like 
that's like the superficial one. Is that the case? Is that kind of like the the marketing one versus, or is that really a thing? Uh, you know, I, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Okay. I think there's probably people that are marketing that because everybody's into the chakra thing. Yeah, because I mean, um, it looks really cool. Yeah, and it's like this right. cool shape and different colors. But you know and, what? If you think that connects your chakras, and that feels good to you, then then that's the intention that's you're that's setting behind that crystal, no yeah. matter where it came from or what it looks that's like. That's true. You know, so it's kind of just trusting what feels good and yeah. hey, this works for me. And somebody else might be like, oh, I don't, what are you talking about? That's synthetic. It was made that way. Yeah. Uh, again, it's the colors. You know, I always try to wear all the colors yeah. you know, all the time um, because I think it kind of helps support keeping that going. So if you can wear all the colors or if I feel a day when I don't, you know, I'm having digestive distress, I'm going to wear a lot of orange and yellow because maybe that's what's going on. Yeah. So if I feel like it's helping me. It's helping me. Okay, so potentially you could turn almost anything into your own crystal in a sense if it... If it I mean, that's my thought means process. That much. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that too. Like if it's always about what does it mean to you. And, right. Yeah, Thinking if it's about working that. for you, then right. who am I to question? Right, yeah. right. And, and I think that's where we get into a little trouble in a general way with people is that people think they have to think the same and right. you have to think what I'm thinking. No, you don't. No. You can think whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah, because that works for you, you know, so, yeah. So besides you, you, so, so you said crystals, we talked a little bit about the other elements, meditation. Um, are there any other tools or recommendations or anything that people use to help or yeah i like there's two that i really like and sometimes i'll use them here um in the healing space and sometimes i'll have clients use them at home i like sage white sage okay um there's a liquid version if people kind of have a hard time with the smoldering of actual smoke yeah um i use the actual white sage leaf okay um, and so you just light it and then it kind of smolders out and it, the, it there's the vapor of white sage and that's supposed to be really clearing and grounding yeah because again it's coming from mother earth um, i know people use it as a cleansing yeah thing, yeah right? they can that's clear a... their house it's called smudging okay where you're moving energy out um you know different um uh, modalities so like as far as like um spiritual the spirit realm and that sort of thing, which is completely different than healing touch. Yeah. We'll talk about moving. Or is it? Or maybe not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, they can talk about m moving uh, energies. Yeah, that's kind of what I heard from and that. Smudging. Um, from a healing touch standpoint, it kind of. Uh, from a science standpoint, it's just moving energy. We don't classify energy as like bad energies or good energies. And I think okay. where the metaphysical piece will do that. Okay. They do see something as a bad entity or a good entity or energy. I'm not passing judgment on that. It's just the difference. Mm -hmm. Energy is energy with healing touch. It moves. Okay. It doesn't move. Quantum physics. Yeah. But saging tends to kind of help move energy where it's stuck. Um, also, sound is great. Sound is wonderful for moving energy. So I have a sound bowl that I will use sometimes too. Okay. Um, and it makes these vibrations and sounds. It's different for everybody's energy field. Yeah. But sometimes just using that sound bowl and disrupting that energy will help move it through the room. Oh, so wow. So sometimes I'll use that if I have a hard time getting someone's energy cleared. Yeah. So, and it's, it's just an amazing, cool sound because it's different for every single person. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, what is a good first step for someone who who's like no like they maybe they just hear this and they're interested now they haven't heard about it yeah and they're trying to figure out um 
just how to be more in tune with themselves. Hey, what's a good step personally? And how do you find someone like you? Yeah, so <laughs> I think the first thing for most people is to kind of have a, a better understanding. Hopefully we kind of cleared up some things today with our conversation, but yeah. I think research is the best thing. If mm -hmm. you're a hardback person, um, you know, a hardback book person, just read on it. Um, if you're an internet person, get on the Healing Touch program. Um, they have videos on there that kind of show what Healing Touch is, so you can get some information about it. They have um, some links on there that kind of talk specifically about what Healing Touch is. Yeah. And they also set, have you know a link that says find a Healing Touch practitioner. Uh, okay. So um, that's one more time, their program. What is it? What do you call that again? It's called the Healing Touch program. The Healing Touch program. Yeah. Okay. And yep. they and have their nationwide. own website. Yep. That's that. okay. Nationwide here, um, and they have practitioners in every state that are certified. Um, to do it um, as far as finding someone who is just a healing touch student or an apprentice you know it's really just word of mouth at this yeah. point I don't have a business per se because I'm you. just doing the work yeah um, and there are some obviously some legal issues with you know saying I'm a healing touch practitioner when I'm not mm -hmm. I'm I'm a student apprentice I get you so finding someone like me would be word of mouth for people um, but if you want an actual healing touch practitioner who's certified there's links on that on okay. website that can get you to someone. There's tons here in Cincinnati. We're blessed. Yeah. We have a lot of Healing Touch practitioners. And what would uh, Sue's quick intro to meditation be? Sue's quick intro to meditation. Yeah, um, same thing. Someone's just starting out. They're yeah. like, I want to try and meditate. I just don't know what to do. How yeah. do I quiet this? How the first I thing I would recommend is not um, trying to meditate for too long because we have a hard time sitting still. Mm -hmm. um, a guided meditation, a five-minute guided meditation is the best way okay. to learn how to meditate. Yeah. It takes all the brain work out of it. You follow someone's lead through the five minutes of meditation. It's a lot about breath work, so they tell you exactly how to breathe, what to think about. They kind of walk you through it. So I would just start with that simple five-minute meditation guided. There's a ton on YouTube you can <laughs> click right on. Um, and it's a great way to start training your brain to slow down, to slow yeah. the momentum down. And the breath work and the awareness while you're doing that is what helps that slow down. Okay. And then you can, you know, go to just a meditation where you have music or you can go to a 15 guided 15 minute guided meditation, but starting small is so big because people get frustrated when they don't know what they're doing when you're trying to meditate for a half hour, or, you know, create this environment for too long. Start with something simple. 5 minutes at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day depending on what your needs are. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there we go, Sue. Thank you very much for your time, for sitting down with me and sharing a little bit about Healing Touch with us. Um, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with or any? No, the only thing no. I'd like to leave you with is that I'm just very honored and grateful to be able to share some of this information because I think it's really important for all of us to be our best, and it's a combination of all that. So thank you for inviting me on. I appreciate yeah, no it. no problem. And, um, I usually say tell people where to find it, but you said you're not quite operating business-wise yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, not yet. Okay. Yeah. So if they're really, if someone's really interested in finding about Healing Touch, get in the Healing Touch program, mm -hmm. look at some videos, read up about it, and then find a practitioner that's close to them. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and you know where to find me at on Instagram. And reminder that now I am on the west side of Cincinnati, operating out of Paramount Fitness instead of on the east side in Oakley. Thank you, and have a good one. Bye.